everybody. Thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. On this podcast, I generally have a guest each episode and they come armed with five pieces of music. They can be songs, they can be LPs, they can be EPs. It doesn't matter what it is as long as we're talking about music. Uh, this is just a jumping off point for us to have a broader conversation about the stuff we love, sometimes the stuff we hate, but mostly the stuff we love. I don't claim to be an expert of any kind and will not vouch for the expertise of any of my guests. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's about just having fun conversations uh, with people I know and with some people I don't know or haven't met prior. Uh, speaking of which, today's guest is Blaine Cook of The Accused, The Farts, Toe Tag, Accused AD, uh, The Accused figure large in my uh, musical uh, history and uh, were ha- had quite an impact. And, uh, I was really uh, pretty excited to have this conversation with him, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm I'm up here. My wife works from home, so she has a uh, a, a superior um, setup for this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, rail. If I go up to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. All right. Hyper as hell. What the fuck, man? Yeah. You, you do you know them? Uh, yeah, Ron Ron Banner lives here and lives here in Seattle. Okay, I know he lived out there, but I didn't know um you you would know him or anything. They're I'm from Akron, so they're local. Okay, yeah, no, he uh, me. He 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 plays in a uh, in a band called Brain Cell Genocide. Yeah, uh, with After. with the with the uh, the bass player that plays for Toe Tag and the Accused AD and our and our drummer. Oh, cool. Yeah, I did I did not know that. It's uh, yeah. It's one of their songs.
Um, they're, I'm going to be 50 in January. They're, they're a couple years older than me. They're yeah. like super formative. Like when I first started listening to hardcore and punk rock and metal and all that stuff, when I started taking a deep dive, like I had older cousins that were musicians and both the girls. So I got the, the idea in my head that maybe someday I might want to be in a band, right. but it being the mid eighties and I'm only 14, 15, when that happened, I didn't have any, um, there, there, there are no role models, so to speak, because they had moved out oh. to San Francisco. So when yeah. I, when I saw them, I'm like, Oh wait, these guys are from here. Yeah. So maybe I can do this. Uh, I'm still buddies with, uh, I, I never knew Ron, um, but I, I'm friends with Donnie, the singer. And okay. uh, yeah, they're, they were huge for us around this area, you know, uh, coming up because they were just, they were the band. Um, those guys in false hope, probably at least for guys my age and then bands that came after, but right. um, yeah, I, this is other than my Voivod shirts. This is the only band shirt I own anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I, I, I just kind of like, because I teach, I just don't find myself wearing my band shirts as much anymore. So it's like black t-shirts, white t-shirts, and then, you know, so, right. right. But, um, uh, so man, I love your list. I mean, um, I think a lot of people, you came up with it so fast like that, which I thought was great because a lot of people that I invite on, doesn't matter who it is. They always like, uh, lament their choices after. Like, oh, I could have went with this one or, and they spent so, they spend so much time and I'm like, no, just, that's exactly just rattle off, man. Yeah, I just went for it because I, you know, five choices. It's like I'm 60, so it's like you know, I mean, yeah. where, where do you know where do I go? It's you know, I'm I'm kind of going back to stuff that was like kind of more important and more formative to me. Yeah, I mean, there is there is stuff that I listen to, you know, that some stuff that's more contemporary, but I mean, that's more just like stuff that I listen to, but it's not like, um, not only stuff that was important to me, but I think. It, you know, some of these records that I picked were, you know, it really important in, in, I just call it rock now. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the punk, punk rock, you know, um, but yeah, well, I just went for it. and I, I second guessed a couple of stuff I did. I did switch out. I did have the uh, Tales of Terror LP and then I switched it out for the uh, sacri sacrilege, you know, um,
you know that that band tales of terror like i what didn't get hip to them until about 10 years ago it's like a blind spot for me and a buddy of mine was like you know they were kind of a big deal in the northwest and i was like okay and then um i listened to it like on i found it on youtube because i can't find a copy otherwise yeah yeah any any of their stuff and uh it was pretty it was pretty cool Uh, (laughs) it's really good stuff um so speaking of form of let's start with montrose right you talk about that a little bit i mean because that's like it's crazy to think that you know it wasn't i mean they were a popular band but to see how big sammy hagar got in the 80s 10 years later it's kind of crazy to think about well i just think that that first montrose record and same as that first um van halen record i think they're both both um produced by ted templeton Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's different in that in that big rock world where when you work with a producer you you're not a band and like like what we do now we we have songs we go in and we we record them you know sometimes whoever we're working with you know they might have have some input more like about sounds and stuff but you know these guys when they'd go in they're working with the producer and they're actually helping them you know put their songs together because they're looking for commercial success um you know just like the, the the first van halen record i know you know now on youtube there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff where you know they're dissecting all this stuff and all these you know lost vocal tracks or guitar tracks or alternates alternate versions and uh i, I that, that first montrose record i think you know it just like that first Van Halen record, there's not a bad song on on the whole record. And, and the uh, the breakout hit was what? Bad Motor Scooter. You know, I don't. That's the kind of stuff um, I heard about that record from uh, an old friend of mine by um, by the name of Donald Brown, and he he had a copy of that in his stacks, and I didn't even I didn't even hear about it, so I don't even know. Maybe that's the song that the people most know know from that record, but it's not anything that I that I never heard on the radio. Yeah, I mean, it was the first song I heard by them. Um, I don't know. I pulled it up. Let me let me see if it was like. Um, yeah, I mean, um, that was the, it. It was the first song I heard by them, and it looks like that. it doesn't say it doesn't say interesting yeah um but they they're a bay area band right i believe so yeah yeah um, yeah there's a band there's a band now uh, um, called haunt and their main guy is the son of like the bass player for 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 ronnie montrose yeah i believe that i, I believe that i believe that's how that's how that's how the story goes uh was was Montrose your first foray into music like pretty pretty early or were you really um it was it was one of those that? it was one of those records that I heard heard early on because you know I'm old enough that you know if you didn't have the record you're not going to hear this stuff I mean you yeah. know some stuff you know they had what they used to call a AOR album oriented rock stations where mm-hmm. you know on, on a Friday night or at night you know they'd play a whole LP all the way through but you know if you didn't uh you know, I, I had a turntable and a stereo. I didn't have a, you know, what was a little bit later on that I had a, a, a cassette player. Yeah. Um, 
So music was just just harder to come by. And when I heard that, it's like, God, this this just kicks ass, you know, just like that, just like that first Van Halen record, whether you, you care for Van Halen or, or Montrose or not. I mean, they're they're really, really kick ass. <laughs> one thing i've always said about van halen is like i'm more of a a songster 
like there are songs I absolutely love, like take your whiskey home for me, just that does something for me. Um, and the cradle rock is a great song, Mm -hmm. but I think the cool thing about like, to your point about producers, like helping bands, you know, craft their songs, there's a certain level of excellence about that Montrose record and Van Halen that whether you like it or not, it's objectively excellent. Like there, there's nothing you can't really, you can't really say no matter what your opinion is, you can't say it sucks because it doesn't suck. It's, it's great, but it's just not, you know, for you or your lane or whatever it is. Right. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy because um, I think that as time has worn on, it's a little bit easier to say that things kind of stink because I just, you know, I don't want to sound crotchety, but just as time has worn on, music has become a little more, um, I don't think people take the time that they used to, to like make songs, you know, they're more interested in like um, the brand that they're trying to develop or in the event that they're not in that sort of world, that sort of sphere, they're, they're bent on just being, aggressive and not writing a song like right trying to get and then on, on, the, on, the, on the other hand it's easy to say stuff stinks now but yeah. then i think a lot of people now are going back and listening to stuff that we were we were supposed to hate yeah and people are they're they're you know there there's more of more of an appreciation um for for a lot of that music that came out and i think from, from a musical standpoint you know because you don't you're not part of you know whatever the the party culture or you know going to concerts in the in the 70s and all that all that business yeah not, not 18 19 year old me would never have admitted to liking steely dan 20 years ago i just took that dive and i'm like yeah i'm all in and yeah. i it's the most it's the most unpunk rock thing you could have said back then oh steely dan's great but no, fuck it. It is great. You know, yeah, right. Like, right. Yeah. It's good. Know. It's good. It's good music. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's well-written. It's weird in a way that I appreciate, you know, and being from Akron and Devo being in all of our veins, no matter what kind of, which way we lean metal punk otherwise, you know, that Devo DNA is there. So a lot of us are attracted to weirder bands and I don't care. Anybody says Steely Dan's a weird fucking band, man. Like really weird. Yeah. So, um, but I also, I also want to touch on the Jimmy Cliff record because that came out a year before that one. Did you discover that before Montrose or was that something that came to a little bit later? You know, I, I got that, I got that record at a thrift store actually probably um, within the past 30 30, 30, 30, 30 or some years. And, um, you know, the reason I, I picked the Jimmy Cliff, uh, the harder they come soundtrack. Um, number one, it's kind of like I'm married. I've been married for 28 years. And we, we didn't do the, the whole thing where, you know, we pick our, pick our song, we do our, you know, our, our dance. But if there was a record that I think that my wife and I both share that if we were to say this, this was, this is our, our record. Yeah, is a, is a Jimmy Cliff record, and it wasn't until that I, I got the Jimmy Cliff record that there was a, a, a '70s punk band from LA called the Offs, mm-hmm. and uh, they do the song uh, Johnny Too Bad, okay. on, on on one of their one of their singles.
And there's, and then what I kind of like the, I, I kind of like the record because there's, you know, um, there's the, uh, there's kind of like a James Bond um, tie-in, yeah, with 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 some of those songs, um, and you know, with an adolescent um, infatuation with you know everything James Bond.
diving that did you start listening to more reggae or is that like your one go-to um i i i listened to a few other things but i it's nothing that i have really ever dove into and i've actually i've talked to a couple of guys and i say i like this record they just you know you're just a poser you don't really like reggae it's like well okay well i never really said i like reggae but i like this i like i like this reggae record so i mean you know that's where i'm at my wife made fun of me one time because I told her, I said, well, I don't really like reggae music. And she goes, but there's a lot of bands you listen to that are inspired by that. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I like the two-tone stuff. I love Bad Brains, you know, um, and and, it, and the police, you know, but uh, I, she, she teases me a bit. She's just like, you know, are you a poser? And I'm like, maybe a little <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I know, his, I know his name. That was of the records on here. It's the one I'm least familiar with because I, you know, like I don't really uh, dive into reggae too much. Um, did you, did you try to go after others, other stuff of his at least after you picked it up or were you just content with that one? I was just content with that. I think, you know, there was a, a point in time when I was really only just whatever records I could find in thrift stores. Mm-hmm. That just happened to be one that i that I found in found in the thrift store and i've really i've never even seen the movie it was on it was on one of these weird we don't we don't have cable tv here at the house we have a digital antenna uh-huh. and there's all these weird um channels that you get on the digital antenna and um yeah the, that movie just happened to be on a few weeks ago but you know it was like it about in the middle and i need to watch it all the way through you've kind of you've kind of provided me a segue i was sort of looking for because i wanted to ask you about uh movies a little bit you know because the accused famously, you know, I mean, there's a lot of horror stuff in there. And, um, do you, uh, do you stream a lot? Do you do any streaming? Oh yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's all we do. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you, uh, been, have you been hip to Tubi yet? Um, yeah, we, yeah, we have Tubi and, and, and crackle and, you know, yeah. uh, the, the reason I ask is cause, um, I just, I'm proud. I'm sure you probably have seen it, but I caught uh, this movie. I've heard about it for years. I've never seen it. And Tubi has these awful films on there that are just great in their awfulness. And uh, um, the rats are coming and the werewolves are here. I had never seen it before. I saw it's an Andy Milligan movie and I saw it about three weeks ago. And I was just like, this movie is so bad but i loved it i was completely enraptured by it and then um on tubi also saw psychomania for the first time since i don't know since since my teens and i just i was funny because uh after seeing those and thinking about those movies i said you know what i'm gonna i'll probably cut this part i'm like i'm gonna hit him up and see if he'll do this you know (laughs) because it got me to thinking about it you know um so like when like coming off of Montrose, when did you when did you first start getting into punk rock? 
probably like late, late 78, mm-hmm. 79. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you talked about, you know, being in a band, if you don't, I didn't have an older brother or I didn't, you know, I didn't hang out with people. So if I didn't, you know, things were harder to come by Yeah. Um, or they weren't as accessible, I guess, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, you know, that's, I, I started seeing flyers that were, you know, uh, plastered up around town, you know, for a band, the mentors was, was an original, original Seattle band. You know, you'd see there was another band called Rolled Rock. Um, you know, you'd just see that, that delude. And then, uh, yeah, then I picked up those singles, you know, the first, first lead single and that, uh, you know, California Uberalis that, you know, that, you know, the dead Kennedy single. And those were like, you know, it's like, wow, this is, you know, do you remember the first show you went to that was in that lane? Um, the first one that I went to that was probably like that would have been uh, uh, Black Flag and the uh, Subhumans wow. from Canada and uh, a band called the Veins from from Seattle. Yeah. Did you get a lot of bands coming down from Canada where you're at? Yeah, we yeah for for that that point in time, there was a, a really strong, strong connection between Seattle and Vancouver. And how long after you started like going to shows did you start thinking about maybe probably being in a band? Um, I never really thought about being in a band. That just kind of just kind of happened. Just kind of happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this might seem like a boring question, but how did that just happen? I'm kind of curious about that. Um, because I was I I was uh, friends with Steve Hoffman, aka Steve Fart, the bass player for the Farts, and I mm-hmm. I kind of knew him before punk rock. Yeah, and then we got into punk rock, and then we you know you know started meeting these people that that had that had bands, and yeah. it just seemed like that's just what you that's kind of just what you do. And there he was just like, you want to sing? And you just said, okay. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. I was the singer. I mean, yeah, I yeah no, I mean, no, I mean that that's that yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm chuckling. Cause that's, I mean, you know, like I said, even though I, I had the kernel of idea that maybe I wanted to be in a band. Um, I did decide to be a band when I wanted to be in a band for sure. When I was hyper so like, Oh, I guess you can be in a band here. Cause like yeah. I said, my cousins moved out to San Francisco at that point and the girls, they were gone. That I was left with their record collection, but no real sense of how I could do it. And yeah. I'm chuckling because that's kind of how it happened for me. Even though I decided I wanted to be in a band, I didn't set out after that to form a band. A couple of buddies of mine are like, hey, do you want to sing in our band? I'm like, uh, okay. Same thing as you, it just kind of happened that way. Um, so yeah, like, also when, when, when you're younger, time is so much different. It feels you know, longer. 
yes, you know, because everything is is brand new and every day is like every day is is brand new. There's, yeah. You haven't lived the, that the, the same day so many times before. So, you know, I've, you know, I talk to people about about that point in time in my life and it's like there was so much stuff that happened like in just like two years or, or a year and a half. Right. It's just, just, just crazy. And so like, were you listening to a lot of metal around the same time too, or were, were those things sort of just kind of the, separate? We kind of, kind of segued way into the metal. That was probably like around 82 when that stuff kind of, you know, uh, you know, motorhead, you know, aces fades and overkill. And that happened. Um, that yeah. first, uh, you know, uh, iron maiden killers and, you know, women, women in uniform, uh, made Japan, you know, when that, that kind of stuff started to happen. Yeah. It, it's kind of cool to think about because, you know, by the time I was diving headfirst in music, I, I think the idea that people listen to metal and people listen to punk could kind of, you know, mid to late eighties, it was becoming a little more uh, socially acceptable within those clicks, you know? Yeah. So was, was there like a lot of pushback where you were at or was it, or was it like, uh, pr- no, I people think that just was pretty much cool about it. I think at that point in time, I think there was, I, there was, I think there was that, there was that short period of time in the eighties where being ex- accepting of all kinds of music mm-hmm. was, was very, very, that's what you needed to do. It was very popular, very in, in vogue. Um, yeah. You know, even when, when we were doing the, when we were doing the farts, we used to play with all, all different kinds of bands just because there wasn't a whole lot of bands that were like, the farts that were in Seattle. So if you did like a, a punk rock show, you know, what, or alternative, what was punk rock or what was alternative, you know, we were, we were at, at, at one end of the spectrum and there was all this other stuff that was in there as well. Yeah. The reason I ask is because a lot of folks in your, for lack of a better way to describe it, peer group, like make a lot of hay about, well, there was a separation between metal and, and punk. And, and it wasn't until later when it happened. And I don't, I wasn't around for that separation necessarily. Yeah, you know, because I like, think the, I think that there was still that separation here here in Seattle, but that was like maybe guys that were like just a few years older mm-hmm. that were on in on a, in a different kind of metal, you know, hard rock t- type of a trip, and you know, it's like fuck these punk rock, you know, what what they used to call us back then. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was, you know, the guys that were just a little bit younger that were like in that 15 to 18, 15 to 19 age range that were just kind of, they were looking at it as more like, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy music versus, you know, heavy metal or, or, or punk rock. So you mentioned 82 and that's when um, Filth Hounds of Hades by Tank came out. Did you? Yeah, that was, did, did I pick that one? Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. Certainly. It was, and you brought motorhead because Fast Eddie Clark produced it, you know. Right. Um, that's such a yeah, great Tank, record. I was um, uh, I was I, actually, I was excited that you picked that because that's a good record. Yeah, I was uh you, you know, and once again, how things were much, much harder back then. I was a member of the uh of the tank fan club. Oh yeah. Yeah, for, for cool. a while. And I, you know, I ordered shirts and I'd, you know, I'd send letters and I'd, I'd send letters and I'd ask questions about some of the lyrics because I didn't, I didn't understand the slang. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, you know, to, to do that, I'd have to go and, because you couldn't PayPal money over to the UK. Right. right. I, it was what, a self-addressed stamped envelope. Right. And, and yeah, whatever process that I went, went through to, uh, to, to turn my dollars into, into, 
British pounds sterling, you know, and then send them over and then wait, you know, two or three or four months to get my whatever it is that, that I ordered. But yeah, yeah, I was totally, totally was digging tank and, you know, Algie Ward did a little stint uh, with the damned. And then, oh, okay. you get, yeah, so then there's tank and, you, you know, tank and, and girl school and, you know, motorhead were kind of like the, that, that, that Trinity of that t- type of, that, you, that kind of sound that was going on. Do you have a favorite song off that record? Um, I like the whole record. I think that's yeah. another one where it's, uh, yeah, that whole record is good. Yeah, it, it it's front to back is pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, the opener's a monster. it's a lost art for people to come out with guns blazing with their with their first songs you know sometimes people like to ease their way into a record I'm like no you want to put your best song up front you know yeah totally so, yeah um so was was tank a a a primer for you for say like what was to come next like i mean how quickly after that were you like getting into bands like slayer and metallica and and that sort of thing or was it all about well, the same as soon, time? As soon as those, as soon as those records came out, you know, I was into them. Um, yeah. I, 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 this is a conversation that we have to have a lot at practice. Yeah, <laughs> we repeat the same con. But this, like this first Tank record, is is definitely up there, up there in the top ten. 
you know, some of those other records, when I listen to them now, it's like that first Slayer record uh, doesn't really, I'm, honestly, the first Slayer record, first Metallica record, I don't really, they don't really do it for me anymore. Um, yeah. I really, the, the first Megadeth record, I think is still really good. And that mm -hmm. first Exodus record still, I think they still, um, the, <clears throat> yeah, the, I think the, the production values are, are much, uh, much higher than that, uh, than the Metallica or that, or that Slayer. It's so absolutely crazy that you're saying this because the one thing I've always said about Metallica is like, I did not become interested in them until I heard the ride lightning. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, this is something I can get into. And to this day, it's my favorite Metallica record. Like the first one just to me sounds too much like their influences in a lot of ways. There's some good songs on there for sure. But I just, you know, and I always tell people, I'm like, the first Megadeth record is better than the first Metallica. People are like, they don't believe me. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's all a matter of taste, of course. Well, but, yeah, totally. But, totally. but I'm like, just, you need to listen to it again. Like, you know, and, um, you know, as far as Slayer, I, I, I like Show No Mercy a lot, but um, I felt like they didn't become the Slayer that I absolutely fell in love with until your pick, Haunting the Chapel. Like, yeah, which is my, that's my favorite Slayer yeah i mean it's my favorite player record it's it's so good because it has all the bite that um show no mercy didn't have although there's really good songs on there, there there's a lot there's still a lot of judas priest hangover on that sh on show no mercy so haunted chapel to me like okay we're slayer this is who we are and it kind of like was that mission statement i guess and then i like hell hello waits a lot but it feels bloated like there's just a lot it's just really long and then you yeah. know rain of blood is great it's an amazing album by any measure but there's just something special about haunting the chapel
turn you on it or did you just happen to pick that one up or how'd you come no, i picked it up one? yeah I, I saw them they they came through here um i think in 80 84 yeah maybe 80, 80, 84 when they they came through here and I, yet i went to see them play and it was just like fuck it was so heavy i mean they, they were like discharge yeah a heavy heavy metal version of discharge you know really stripped down you know they had they had the gauntlets but then they had the uh you know the upside down crosses made out of um you know whatever bright lights that they had it was just it was just killer but at the same time during that same year i saw i saw exodus and megadeth play and it's like yeah you know as far as a live a live act i it, they didn't those bands didn't do it for me as much as as much but, as seeing slayer did yeah i mean slayer's slayer's a special band um i mean that goes that, that that's that goes without saying I took my son to go see them and he, uh, he wasn't interested in them. You know, yeah. he, he, he has really good taste in music, but you know, I'll play stuff for him. He's, and he's just like, eh, you know, so I was going with some friends to go see him on their, uh, last tour. And, uh, he, you know, he was aware of them and familiar with the songs that I, you know, I play them and whatever. I don't try to push it on, but I play it a lot. And then he saw them. And as we were leaving, he goes, I get it. I'm like, what? He goes, I, I get that band now. Like he had to see them. Even yeah. the, even this late stage in the game, even though Jeff Hanneman's not in the band and Dave Lombardo wasn't playing with him. He was like, I get it, you know? And uh, he, he's, he likes a lot of songs by them, but not entire records. He's like, it's just, he said to me, he goes, it's just too much to digest at once. Yeah. He goes, he goes that I didn't live with it the way you did. So it's, he can just sort of pick and choose, you know, there are albums he sits with completely, but he just, you know, um, I think it's, it's amazing that 
that far along in their career, they're still able to turn someone on, turn someone that young on to them, which is, yeah, speaks volumes to how good they are, you know? Um, yeah, that EP is, that EP is pretty fucking, pretty fucking great. Um, how much of, and, you know, I, I don't know if you can speak to this too much. I mean, cause I don't know how the songwriting went when, um, the accused were writing their records, you know, I don't know how that all worked out, but how much, how many of the middle bands were you guys looking to, or did we were even thinking about it all? Was it just like, I like that riff and then just boom, you know, was, was there any thought put to it as far as like what bands like Slayer were doing? Cause I feel that there's a certain, there's a through line with a band like Slayer. Although I, I always tell people to me, to me, I'm like, well, the accused is a hardcore band you know, yeah. but that's because I, I have a, I have a, I have a narrow definition of it, but there are certain things that make me feel like, well, this is a hardcore band in a way, you know? Yeah. We, we always thought of ourselves as a hardcore band. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, you know, with us doing the accused AD and still playing these songs, these songs now, I think it's more that I think we have more of a, an audience in, in a, in a metal, in, in the metal scene mm-hmm. now than we do, than we do in the hardcore scene. Um, you know, with the first, the first, the first couple of records, I think it was just kind of pretty much what, whatever anybody came up with, that was going to be, be a song and right. whether or not we were listening at that point in time, you know, listening to Slayer or listening to Mega uh, Death or, or Anthrax or, or, or Discharge or, you know, any of those other, other things, Raven, um, those came in there and then, and then, then later on, I think it got to be a little bit you know more specific you know when, when alex um, was in the band playing bass then we had um josh um playing drums i think you know there was you know some other you know influences i think and also as you're when you're playing longer your uh your ability yeah you, you just get to be a, a better player i think it, the you know during the time the the two albums in particular i'm thinking about you know uh more fun and and Mattis stories like yeah um i heard more fun first then Mattis stories and i went back and caught the earlier stuff just because of my age and i remember you know again i was really young but i was i was there for it and like there was the whole uh crossover thing and even back then i said to myself i'm like you know people are just trying to sell you records you know and and the only the only bands that made me actually think that it could potentially be, and I'm getting real academic with it, so I apologize. The only two bands that I thought to myself, the only two bands that make me believe in the idea that crossover is an actual thing as opposed to a PR thing were the accused and COC of that era. Because somebody could say to me, well, those are metal bands. And I would disagree and say they're hardcore bands, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to argue that much about it you know, and then people would say, well, they're hardcore bands. I'm like, well, yes, absolutely. 100%. Whereas I felt like a lot of the other bands that were sort of skating that line and some of the records by bands, if not their entire career, where I was like, well, that's a metal record, you know, like, and I, you know, I got real nerdy with that shit because, you know, that's all I did was listen to music. I wasn't playing football. So I, I had a lot of time in my hands to think about this sort of stuff, you know, as a young kid. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, that's why I dug the accused so much because it, it encapsulated um, a lot of things I was into horror films. Well, comics, that's what we were doing. We were metal that was, punk. Yeah. Well, that was the whole that. point. 
that's what crossover was supposed to mean was you were crossing over and right bringing in all of those those different influences and genres that you're into versus crossover is now like this other segmented version of of thrash metal or speed metal or whatever i mean because you know crossover right now is huge oh yeah i mean but it's power true municipal waste yeah all those bands but it's more of it's more of a a metal thing than it is like bringing like all of what you're into into the music and because mad stories i mean there's there's you know there's some jazzy stuff on there i mean that just like we threw everything that we had into that record yeah yeah definitely and but you know like like to your point i mean it's a legit like subgenre now you know like i hear stuff i'm like well yeah that reminds me of nuclear assault but that's very much like a sound that people actually try to achieve these days and it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about where it was it just felt more organic back in those days and i'm not judging these bands i love power trip they're oh well that's i mean they're fucking great but i mean just these days if you're if you're in a band and you're playing one type of music and you want to do another type of music, you just start another band. I mean, look <laughs> at, you know, municipal waste. God love those guys, but I mean, yeah. they're doing, you know, um, you know, they've got bat or, you know, iron Reagan or, um, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, you know, new one that new one that they just started, you know, and when they're, when they want to branch off and do a different musical style, you yeah. know, they're able to, to form a new band. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bands that like kind of want to play different styles i mean we can talk about sacrilege because the first record well the second i mean i see through through line between between behind the realms and the record the follow like i'm like oh it's all sacrilege but there is there is a difference you know um so like and this one came out in 85 originally on vinyl i guess um did you did you were you able to access that pretty quickly? I mean, even though they're an English band, I mean, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to keep... well, yeah, because plus I put the record out, so it was it was pretty it was pretty available. Yeah, I, I mean, I have I have a I have a Pussmark copy, but I you know that was a band the name I heard. I hadn't heard that record until I was in my early twenties because eventually that stuff becomes you know rare and collectors yeah. start hoarding things and. You know, for me, it was like, well, I don't have any money. So I had like a, a lot of wobbly tape copies of certain records that I hadn't heard, you know, before. Um, so like how. Um, how I don't how, even know. I don't even know how how or why I ended up with the record. Yeah. I mean, but um, like, did you get an opportunity to see them or anything like that? I mean, can, no, I don't I don't think they ever played in the states that, I, that i'm aware of okay at least, at least not on the west coast maybe on maybe maybe the, when they got to be a little bit more metal yeah you know, um maybe they did did something on the east coast but um did and this guys- is the only record i only have have this record you know they did uh they had a couple of songs on on comps mm-hmm. I, um there was that uh flexi comp um a- angelic scratch act attic or something it was called and i think it had sacrilege and maybe it had heresy and the uh concrete socks on there i mean they did three records uh in the 80s they did this one within the prophecy and turn back to trilobite and the only two i know that i've listened to i I have this one of course and i've listened to within the prophecy um 
it's not a bad record. I just um I prefer this one because it has that uh you know the the crust feel to it like that a yeah. lot of the English bands were kind of uh doing at that time, you know, outside of discharge even.
I think that it's kind of interesting that um, that even in England, bands were sort of like searching for that that next thing to move on to past hardcore and punk. Like, and usually it was metal. Yeah. Um, it. I, I always like think about when I think about them. I think about Onslaught's first one, Power from Hell. <laughs> couple songs on there where it's like well this could be a discharge <laughs> you know yeah yeah um, on slatter that you know that you know uh, those english dogs yeah as well and i with you know sacrilege and they were also they were you know their, their political slant was a little bit different you know they you know they were against you know where they do that uh that fox hunting over there in in the in England, I don't know if they still do it, you know, but back when they used to set a fox loose and a bunch of people would chase chase the fox around on on horses. They had a they had a song that was against that. And I think they were even um they had a song about, you know, the you know, some of the famines that were happening in, in Africa back at that point in time as well. I mean, other than other than those guys and a couple other bands, I, I don't know that um the American bands were kind of speaking to this you know, as much as, you know, the English bands were, because you can look at uh, Crass, Discharge, those guys, um, uh, Extreme Noise Terror, stuff like that. I mean, early Napalm Death, you know. Um, so I, it's weird because then like, you know, from what I recall, you know, like in America, there was like shortly after that, like Nausea was the only band that had that sound. And had that sort of political outlook as well like yeah. it was sort of like there was that that austere cold black and white blown out art with yeah. you know the yeah. political lyrics um and a lot of people like the site amoebics for being like the band that really kind of inspired that crust sound at least for the american bands but i kind of think it's this one at least to me when we talk about like getting into punk in like the seventies versus like the eighties when I did, or then later on the nineties, which is when I was active playing music. Um, do you see a difference in how, I mean, not just, not just the way they access it today, but like even, even in that time period before the internet, did you see where, do you feel that people were accessing music differently? I mean, did you see a difference in like 
um, how people were coming to things. I mean, did you feel that there was a, a drastic change in that? I mean, prior to the internet age? <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think it was, it was more appreciated. I think the live, I think the live music, I think there was a point in time, especially in the, in the hardcore, the alternative, you know, guys and gals getting in the van and, and hit, hitting the road and going all over the United States and Canada. I think there was a really golden, golden period of that between like maybe, you know, 1985 up until maybe 90, 90 or 91. And yeah. I think, you know, um, it, it, in, in the smallest of towns, people were just, they, they were hungry, hungry for live music, hungry yeah. to see bands play live. Um, you know, that's why there's, you know, like the, the place, the outhouse in, in Kansas, and there's all these like weird, the Speedway Cafe in Salt Lake City, all these weird little places that, you know, that you hear about that were like just these, that, the, you know, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't think that that's what was going on there, but that just the, I, I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm old, so I can't, I can't comment on what the youth culture is doing now because I know, I know the youth culture is very, very vibrant right now. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a, a huge hardcore, huge hardcore scene and the kids go fucking, they go fucking nuts. But um, I, I don't, I can't access that because how they access things now is different. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not part of that. Well, right. That's why I said pre-internet age, because yeah. I'm speaking more to the terms of like, right. you know, you, you guys came out more along. Right. Yeah. And then I, I was coming up in in the shadow of all that. So, you know, I can because I stay pretty close to people who are younger than me in town, not super younger, but like, you know, like I said, I'm going to be 15 January, but I know people who are bands that are in their 30s and people who are bands that are in their 20s. And I watch how they interact and I watch how they um I hate to use the word consume music and how, how they relate to it. And I, I just felt, I feel like it's so wildly different. Like in some ways it's awesome because you have access to tools that I never had when I was recording and putting out records. And it was, <clears throat> you know, being from Akron, Ohio, um, even though Cleveland's just North of us, you know, um, getting things wasn't as easy. You know, it was, it was very, you pretty much, and you took ownership of the things you found and you would sometimes buy a record that really wasn't all that great, but you would try to love it because you, 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 you knew, spent money on it. Yeah. And, and you knew it was different and you were trying to find some kind of connection to it. And so even though the, the accessibility of things is, is pretty great. I just feel like it's more disposable for a lot of folks, it, like they kind of, and, and it's kind of puzzling me. And I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you noticed maybe some of that with the guys who are immediately younger than you, like myself and people like that. Did, did you see any progression towards that? Or, I mean, I, it was, what was the difference between the way, I mean, do you feel there's difference in, in the way people were getting to music versus the time that you got to, and I don't mean like really young people now, but I mean, over your yeah, well, it, 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 you know, like you said, it was, it was more special, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, hard, hard to come by, more expensive to come by, uh, more, more special. You embraced, you embrace what you had because you had so much, what you had is so much smaller than what you can have 
and what you can have now. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't, it's not really something I've really thought about because it's just kind of been like this organic, organic process. I mean, I, right. can, I can look at, look at how things are, look at how things are now. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I think a lot of the stuff, like you said, it, it's disposable. Yeah. I, I don't think that a lot of the stuff now, because it, it's not, for one thing, it's not in a physical format. Right. So, you know, in, in I don't know, two, three, four, five, ten, ten years is some of that stuff even going to still be part of what anybody thinks about because it's not something that they can, they can pick up and actually look at, yeah. you know, um, they, maybe they don't live with it the same way that I did or the same way that you did and yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the one thing I've noticed, at least from my youth to now, I think that, um, younger folks are actually, they're, they're just as hungry for live music. I feel, especially, um, not that we're out of the pandemic, but post those two years where it was like, everything was shut down. Um, and you talked about the same thing and in the spirit of that, as well as like, when you're talking about, um, bringing together all the things that you liked, I saw the accused the first time when you guys were on tour with brotherhood. Yeah. And how, how did you come to the decision to take a band that on the face of it, just simply on the face of it superficially was so wildly different from the accused? Uh, well, we, we were friends with those guys. Right. Um, right. You know, um, I, I don't know. That's just, that's just what we did. Let's go, baby! 
no, no. And, and that's, yeah. that's a perfect yeah. answer. I didn't expect a real deep one. I was yeah. expecting uh, to say, yeah. I, I was expecting exactly you say I was buddies with those guys. So we took them out, you know? Yeah. yeah that was, that was it. And, you know, and we took them out and then they, you know, they spent times cause we, we liked to have some beers and smoke some weed. And then they, you know, they saw that these guys who, you know, we were maybe just a few years older than, than them, mm -hmm. not really, not too, too much at that point in time. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're not being, you know, a bunch of belligerent assholes. So, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not promoting the use of alcohol and marijuana, but not everybody that enjoys alcohol or, and marijuana is, Good. you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, um, I just, yeah. I, I just think it's, I just always thought that was really cool because there was, you know, uh, things were falling into like these really strict orthodoxies. They might've been doing that. They might've been falling that way before I was really getting the music, but I, I just really appreciate it. I'm like, Oh, I've never heard this band. They're a strange band. They're pretty cool. You know? And it was, it was nice to see that. And I think that sometimes, you know, um, not so much anymore, but through the nineties, at least to my experience, there was like, it was kind of lacking that a bit, you know, there's like this dry period where every band that was a strange band played only with strange bands and every yeah. band that was more metal leaning only played with metal bands. Yeah. I don't think that's the case now with uh, a lot of these younger um, bands. I think they're just, they're open to playing with other people and it just sort of reminds me of, you know, that time I saw you guys play at brotherhood in Cleveland at the fantasy theater would have been 88. I don't remember exactly. I was really 80, young. 80, 80, so, yeah. Like yeah. yeah, I was really young. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it, man. I just really want to thank you for taking time sitting with me and doing this. Um, oh yeah. No, thank Thank you, you for, know, for the opportunity. That's it. That's all I got for you. I really want to thank Blaine Cook for uh, being a guest on this episode. I really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Um, check out The Accused. Listen to The Accused. Listen to Toe Tag. Listen to The Farts. Uh, listen to Sacrilege, Onslaught, Tank. That's all good shit. Um, so if you want to communicate with me via social media, you can do so on Instagram at bleachmouth underscore... I'll get this right one day at bleachmouth underscore postscript uh, Facebook bleachmouth postscript the email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com uh, check the show notes for my various uh, projects that I've uh, been involved with over the past number of years um, and uh, yeah that's about it man uh, I hope you enjoyed this I had a good time doing it and uh, we'll see you on the other side thanks a lot